the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Friday Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a radio program dedicated to answering your Bible questions. Whatever is on your heart or mind, whatever you might be wrestling with, we'll do the very best that we can to answer your questions. The best way to get them answered is to call and ask. It makes the program more interesting. And you do that by dialing 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now button, and then using your hands free free feature it's not easy to say quickly uh, you will be connected directly to the studio producer and you can talk and drive at the same time one more time 3409585 i like friday programs because it means sunday's coming up of course i don't mean to sound obvious but uh, Fridays are always good for us. We have our Friday night services. Uh, tonight I'm going to be teaching one of the most emotional and uh, personally important and practical uh, portions of Scripture uh, in my life. It's, it's the basis upon which we do everything here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. It's Acts chapter 20. It's sort of a mini pastor's conference, and yet tonight I'm going to be teaching it to uh, our church body at large at 7 o'clock. Um, on Sunday, it's Communion Sunday, the first Sunday of every month for us. It will be Communion Sunday for many of you out there. We get to participate in the two elements that symbolize the greatest gift ever given, a body broken that we might escape the punishment our sins deserve. Think about that for a moment. His body was broken so ours wouldn't have to be. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed, hung naked on a cross, Jews spitting in his face and mocking him with insults, having been beaten beyond recognition in human form. He did that for you, and he did it for me. That's why Communion Sunday is always so special. And then it's sort of like the dessert, the coup de gras. We participate in the cup. The very reason we can stand before God righteous, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I always like to imagine that every horrible, evil thing that I've ever done was placed on him. While I stand off just a little bit observing this entire process, marveling that that's what I did, that's what I deserve. And yet because he wants me to live and more more appropriately live with him and for him, I'm completely free, free from sin, free from the punishment of sin, free from the bondage of sin, and all because Jesus 
I'll use a King James word, showed the uttermost of his love to me by dying on the cross. Communion Sunday, it is really, really important. So all that's going on here at Calvary Chapel. Can I say one more time, uh, we are um, now less than a week. It was a week yesterday uh, out from our kids camp and youth camp. Uh, We would love to have your children be involved. It costs very, very little. Um, All you have to do is call the church office at 210-658-8337. And your kids, they're going to have fun, but but that fun is going to be all built around the priority of teaching the Bible. So whether it's the little ones or the junior high and high school age ones, it's going to be two and a half days of Bible, Bible, and more Bible. Kids always get saved. So prayerfully consider that and let us know if we can include your children. Let's get to questions that we have for the Friday program. Here's one that I knew was coming from our email inbox. This one is from Perry. He says, I know this is a loaded question, but how can the Pope change the position of the Roman Catholic Church in regards to capital punishment just because he thinks it's wrong? The church has been for it for centuries. This was in yesterday's news. He has been on a run changing the status quo in the Roman Catholic Church. You know, Perry, what amazes me about this whole thing is that the Pope, whoever and whenever in the history of the church from 313 A.D. when the Roman Catholic Church was established. I point that out because the Roman Catholic Church was not established in the lifetime of Peter. That means Peter was not, could not have been the first pope, as they so wrongly claim. Um, But the truth is, every pope has been thought of as speaking for God. The, The vicar of God on earth speaking ex cathedra, meaning he's speaking when it comes to matters of faith and doctrine without error. And yet the history of the Roman Catholic Church has been that whoever the Pope is at a particular time is always changing things, is always reinterpreting things. And how could this possibly be if the previous Pope was speaking without error for God? Now, there's a lot of problems, Perry, that we have with this. When somebody changes the position because it conflicts with a personal viewpoint, they have made themselves God. And that's what the Pope has done in this particular case. Before it was acceptable in some circumstances, but but now never is it acceptable. And this isn't the first thing that this Pope has changed. And the reason that they're able to do this to answer your question directly is they don't believe in the word of God as the ultimate authority they also don't understand the true character and nature of God because if they did they would know that God doesn't change they would then be able to identify what is of God and what isn't as these proclamations are made from the Catholic Church to the office of the Pope Christians, and this is important for everybody, I know we have Catholics who listen to this program, there has to be an authority, just one. And it's not the church, it's not the Pope, it's the Bible. And because the church doesn't emphasize teaching the Bible, and because a lot of the Bible conflicts with what they claim to be the tradition of the church, They simply have thrown out the value of the Bible and Christians are getting lost. So it's important that we understand that and it's even more important that we understand the role of the Bible in our lives as individual believers. Tonight in my Bible study in Acts chapter 20, Paul is going to say that that he's innocent of the blood of all all the men who've been listening to him. And the reason is because he has declared to them the entire counsel of God, the whole will of God, holding nothing back. And that's the basis upon which we ought to be doing ministry in 2018 in San Antonio, Texas, and in the rest of the world. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Teach it. Explain it. Help people understand it. The Bible in and of itself has a power to change people. 
and transform lives. As a pastor, I don't have that power. I could tell cute stories. I almost said I could tell funny stories, but I'm not funny, so I really can't. But I don't have any power to change anybody. But a marvelous thing happens when I teach the Word. God's Spirit uses God's Word written by the Holy Spirit. And people have changed forever. A church can't do that, whether it's a Catholic church or my church. Only the Word. So, Perry, there's no answer to this, and it's things like this that ought to send Catholics packing in search of Bible-teaching churches, but they simply, most of the time, they don't. I can't tell you how many times in our 23-plus years here that we've been told, I was born Catholic, I'm going to die Catholic. Well, many times they're going to die and spend eternity separated from God because the Catholic Church can't save only Jesus can, and only the Word gives us a fair representation, a right representation of who Jesus is. We can't go to church and think that satisfies God in any fashion or form. We can't try to be good or do more good than bad. It's just Jesus. I can't try to work my way into heaven or even work my way into a second chance. We have to make that choice while we're alive here. And the only way we're going to know that is because that's what the Word of God declares. Final thought on this, Perry. If anybody tells you something that contrasts with what the Bible says, it is not from God, it is Antichrist. This decision that the Pope made yesterday is Antichrist. I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. Don't anybody get mad and send me ugly emails. But this decision is Antichrist. And he'll answer for it. He will answer for it. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. We'd love to have them. On this Friday, Damon asks, does general revelation prove the existence of God? Um, Damon, not the way you're thinking. Um, General revelation proves the existence of a designer. Um, but, But that designer isn't specified in general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God day after day. They pour forth speech. There is no nation or language where they're not understood. So the idea is that when we get up in the morning and we see the sun rising in the east, we look at the sunset and it's always in the same place in the west. When we know it's going to be cold in January and it's going to be um, starting to warm up and be much more pleasant in April. And then we know in the summertime it's going to be really hot. We know that. And that points to a designer. There is a force out there powerful enough to make these things happen on a repetitive scale. And at some point, we've got to kind of scratch our head and think, well, you know, if that happens the same way every time, something is behind it. And when we respond to that, then that designer becomes specific and we're led to Jesus. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So imagine like Abraham leaving his house of idols, his worship place of idols, handmade idols, and walking out and thinking, you know, there's got to be more. I have so many questions. I have so much on my heart, and these idols never say anything. We make offerings to them and make sacrifices to them, and nothing ever changes. I wonder if at that particular moment when Abraham was so hungry to find out who God really was, he said, God, if you're real. I need to know you. There has to be more. And that's when the Lord called him by name and identified himself as a personal God. Not just a personal God, but a God who knows you. Well, 
general revelation does the same thing. I would also add, Damon, that the revelation of conscience, we know what's right and wrong instinctively because when we do wrong, our conscience bothers us. First lie you told, you knew it was wrong. First time you had sex with somebody you weren't married to, you knew it was wrong. Now we sin and our hearts get harder and we sort of tune out that voice. By the way, this is a really good advertisement for my Sunday message in Luke chapter 5. But as our hearts get harder and we get desensitized to sin, we simply turn our consciences off. That's not God's fault. That's our fault. So Damon, general revelation proves the existence of a designer. As you seek the identity of that designer, you're going to run right into Jesus. It's one of the reasons why when I get questions on this program about people who are sincere but are raised in other religious traditions, how could God judge them if they are doing what they think is right? Here's the thing. If you know there is a God out there somewhere, it is your responsibility as an individual to find out if the God you worship is really God. It's not karma. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. There is a God. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you seek him, he's going to be found. You just have to be honest enough intellectually to want to know the answer. He will do that very, very thing. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's go to Jose calling from San Antonio on line one. Jose, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, <clears throat> Hi, Pastor Ron. Hi, Jose. Uh, I love your ministry. Thank you. Uh, I called, uh, you know, a few times. I think I told you I'm top sinner. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'm worse than Paul. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Yes, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some something has been bothering me for the last, you know, few months because I have a, a really my sister very devout Christian. She's not a Christian, but she's a cat, cat, Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I know we. I, I can't judge her, you know, I know that. Uh, but you think some of the Catholics are going to be saved? Uh, what's your take on this? I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i not too fond of the Pope, or, you know, I used to be a Catholic too, but now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a born-again Christian, but I'm still sinning. So, so what is your take on the Catholic religion, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't believe in religion, you know, but I mean, what's your take on it? I mean, I'm sure the book of Revelation talks about all that. And I'm going to listen to you online because I'm not on the radio. Okay, thank you, Jose. Appreciate it very, very much. And I'm going to assume sure. that you didn't mean to get me in trouble, but I always anger people when I answer this question. <laughs> thank you, Jose. A um, couple of things. Um, there are real Christians who go to the Catholic Church. Men and women who have been born again. The problem is, Jose, that there aren't many of them. And one of the reasons is because they're not taught in the Catholic Church that they have to be born again. Jesus himself said, talking to the most religious men in Israel, that he must be born again. Not only that, he repeated, said, you of all people shouldn't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And to be born again means that you have to die to yourself and live for Christ. Now, if you've listened to this program, Jose, you know that I think religion is a bad word. Religion is man's attempt to reach to God. God, when he reached down to us. You said you're the worst of sinners. Well, Jesus had to reach to the gutter for you, Jose, just like he had to reach to the gutter for me. If we think that by doing religious things, 
we can reach up to God and somehow justify ourselves before God. If we think that by going to church or being raised Catholic or baptized as an infant into the Catholic Church, if we think that's going to get us to heaven, then we're all going to be on the outside looking in. You see, being a good person doesn't save you because the Bible says there's none good, not even one. Being a religious person doesn't save you. Read the first chapter of the book of Isaiah. And by the way, for everybody in the audience, Isaiah is going to be our next undertaking on Wednesday nights in the Old Testament. I don't know how long it'll take me to get there. We still have a ways to go in Second Samuel. But um, it's a book I've been avoiding, frankly. I love it, but, but I just don't. It's so comprehensive. Uh, and repetitive. I don't know how to teach it. So the Lord has sort of put his foot down and said, we're going through Isaiah, so I'm going to do that. But read the first chapter of Isaiah. That gives you God's heart to religion. He said, your feasts, these ceremonies, my soul hates them. Who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Um, you know, people that, that, that go religiously to church in the Catholic Church week after week after week, and yet there's no change in their lives. God hates that stuff. The man, the woman who goes to the Mass, which by the very Catholic Catechism identifies itself as the bloodless sacrifice of Christ over and over again. That's an offense to the to the Lord because the Bible says that he was sacrificed once for all. And there's no necessity for more and more sacrifice. And we have decided that religion is okay. And Jose, the reason it's okay for most Catholics, and I always say this, there are saved Catholics, it's just really hard to be. I also believe that the Spirit leads people who get saved, really saved, out of the Catholic Church. Tradition can't be as important as a relationship, a thriving relationship with God. But God is a remnant everywhere. Your mention of Revelation was interesting, Jose, because the letter to the church at Thyatira, which is a scathing indictment of the church and of religion, is a church that is prophetic of the time in church history where the Roman Catholic Church was the prevailing power in the world, at least in the spiritual world. And he doesn't have anything really good to say to the church at Thyatira. So I understand you have a sister, and she is devout because you love her. I think it's not judging her, but talking to her and asking her. What are you devout for? Is it the church? Is it Mary? Or is it Jesus and just Jesus alone? And I've asked that question many times to people who say, and the answer is, well, I'm, I'm devout for all of them. No, it's got to be just Jesus. We don't ask anybody who comes to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio to swear allegiance to us. We don't even ask them to sign a membership agreement. What we expect of them is to be totally and radically sold out for Jesus Christ. So pray for your sister. Jose, keep living your life in such a way that she can see the light, that she can see the joy that is impossible to find in the Catholic Church. And the Lord will make her envious in a good way. He'll increase her hunger to know who he is. And in the process, you'll be able to know for sure your sister really is saved. Hope she is. But that's between her and the Lord. Religion is not a way to get served. Let me address one other thing that you said, Jose. I'm going to correct you. Paul, when he said he was the chief of all sinners, the worst of the worst, we know that was the Holy Spirit writing. When I say it or you say it, we could just say, you know, we're really, really bad, but we're not the worst. Paul says, because I persecuted the church of God, he was the worst. I think when you keep sinning, it's because you're, according to Philippians chapter 2, working out your salvation, not working for it, but working out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
And I love that, Jose, that that you are humble enough to say when you sin, look, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry, God. And he can then say, that's okay. I knew it all along. I forgive you. And then we can walk with Jesus filled once again with the joy of the Lord and unencumbered by thinking we're special. So keep working out your salvation with fear and trembling because that will really, really bring honor to the Lord. Don't be afraid of God. That's not what it means. But instead, every day, get up, offer your body to Jesus, as Romans 12 says, as a living sacrifice. Dedicate yourself to holy living, which pleases God, Romans 12 says. And then every day in the Word, let your mind be renewed. Let your thinking be changed. That's God's Word is changing your brain, changing the opinions that you have. Just you and Jesus. Jose, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. We've got 30 minutes left in the week. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. Since we've got 30 minutes, let's make it good. We'll see you back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back as we hit the home stretch of the week, 340-9585. Here is a question from Greg. He says, isn't it true that basically all religions are the same and teach the same things? I think it's arrogant to claim exclusivity for Christianity. Greg, that's because you don't know Jesus. That's why you think it's arrogant. If Jesus, and you know about Jesus, or you wouldn't be listening to this program, but if Jesus were standing there, or more to the point, you were there when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, would you condemn him as being arrogant? Of course you wouldn't. You see, your whole premise is flawed. All religions are very different. I said to an earlier caller that religion is is man trying to work his way up to be acceptable to God. We can't be. Jesus came down for us. And only Christianity says... that what needs to be done is done. Religion is do this, do that, get better, improve, be nicer, be kinder. Christianity is Jesus saying you can't do any of those things. And my flesh is nothing good. Jesus said, apart from me, it's impossible. Only Jesus came to deal with the real problem. I study this Sunday, Greg. Uh, Jesus is going to heal a, a leper, and then he's going to heal a, a paralytic who's lowered through the roof of a house on a mat. And he looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. His enemies testify, only God can forgive sins. So Jesus proves to him that he's God, that he can forgive sins. You see, all religions are man-centered. But only God can forgive sins. And Jesus Christ proved beyond any reasonable doubt whatsoever, the evidence is overwhelming, Greg, that he was God. He proved it. They killed him. He didn't stay dead. He's alive. That's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just a story that we tell ourselves on Easter to make ourselves feel better about things. It's historical fact. And since only Jesus, of all the founders of all of the world's religions, only Jesus claimed to be God, and only Jesus predicted that he would be murdered, 
and then be alive. And in fact, is alive. Only Jesus proves that he really is God. So that's why we know that we can claim exclusivity and we do it without apology. Let me also say something else, Greg, that should upset your whole theological apple cart a little bit. Every religion claims exclusivity. Every religion claims to be the, the, the truth. Now, it just takes a 101 series course on logic to understand that if every religion claims to be true and those religions contradict one another with facts that can't be reconciled, then all of them can't be true means they're lying and if what Christianity says is true every other religion is lying I know we have a tendency to think of religious people as good people and as long as the devout we call the Dalai Lama a holy man he's not like Jose from the last half hour he's a sinner just like me But only Jesus can wash away the stain of sin. So stop repeating specious arguments that you hear others repeat, Greg. Think for yourself. Examine the evidence. If you're intellectually honest enough to do that, you will come to the conclusion that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Now, you still have to make your own decision whether you're going to submit to him, follow him. But you can honestly come to the conclusion that he really is God. And God became a man so that he could identify with sinful man, so that he could save sinful man. And the fact that he is alive now, and I would add, is returning for us. Is sort of the exclamation point on the claims of Christianity. Don't for a moment think that Islam doesn't think their religion is exclusive, or Judaism, or Buddhism, or Hinduism, or Mormonism, or Jehovah's Witnesses. I'll say this one time to you, Greg, since only born-again Christians are going to be in heaven throughout the history of the world, throughout the entire scope of that history. Only born-again believers are going to be in heaven. You need to be one. Believe me, you don't want to pay the price of not surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ. 340-9585. Here's a question from Patricia. Uh, You often say that God is a God of justice. What exactly do you mean by that? Patricia, I, I'm thrilled that you asked this question. You know, we have a, uh, a tendency in our church culture to change who God is. We, instead of remembering that we're created in his image, we try to recreate God in our image. So we make him who we want. Let me explain that. We'll have people say, to him, well, my God is a God of love. My God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, they have a God that isn't God. Because God is a God of justice, and without God being just, and that means that he punishes sin, just meaning he's holy and upright, righteous, completely righteous. If God wasn't any of those things, then he would cease to be God. So when I say God is a God of justice, He's a God who can't wink at sin. He's a God who was so severe in dealing with sin and the sin of the world that he unleashed his wrath on his own son. That's a God of justice. This is a God who in the end is going to even the scales. Go to Luke chapter 16, Patricia, and listen to the story. It's not a parable. It's a story of the rich man and Lazarus dying on the same day. The rich man being in torment, Lazarus, who was a beggar, who begged for the crumbs to fall from his table, the the rich man's table, he was in paradise. 
One was a believer, one wasn't. One lived for God, one didn't. And the injustice of the rich man being comfortable in this world and Lazarus having nothing in this world, all of that was set right in heaven. That he's a just God means that he's going to repay those who do evil and those who cause evil to be done to his people. We don't understand too much about justice in the world that we live in. Lady Justice has the blindfolds over her eyes and balancing the scales of justice. We're all familiar with that symbol. But in the world that we live in, Lady Justice is peeking out from under that blindfold because justice in this world isn't fair. It's not just. The things that we see happen to people in this world by evil, really truly evil men, none of that is just. And one of the things that we know and can look forward to is that God is going to balance the scales and whatever we've had to endure in this world will be more than worth it when we see the riches and glory that awaits us. I consider, Paul said, that my present suffering isn't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. That's a God of justice. It's a God who takes care of bullies. I don't mean schoolyard bullies. I mean the bullies in the world that we live in. It's a God who's going to make sure that the small and great in the book of Revelation are in caves together in their rebellion against God, shaking their fist at God, but being unwilling to repent. And God is going to exact justice on them. And Patricia, we forget this God of justice. We forget a God who is declared in Isaiah chapter 6 to be holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we've turned God into sort of an emotional sap. Oh, I understand why you're doing what you're doing. I get it. It's okay. We've turned him into a God who winks at sin like, oh, let's just forget it ever happened. He doesn't. We who are Christians, Patricia, we didn't get away with sin. Jesus was punished with the full measure of God's wrath in our place. That's the substitutionary atonement, the penal atonement of Christ for you and for me. So that's what I mean when I talk about a just God. Now, holiness and justice by extension is his primary attribute. We've made a God whose only attribute is love, the God of the 21st century in the world that we live in, and that is to misunderstand who he is at all. 340-9585 for your live calls. Here's an anonymous question. Uh, I suffer with a neurological condition that causes depression. Should I take medication for it? Or just hope that God takes it away. Anonymous, I was just having this conversation with uh, with Pastor Ken um, just uh, 30 minutes before the show started. Um, we who are believers have a responsibility to do anything and everything that it takes in order for us to be able to live lives that bring God honor. You know, the Apostle Paul says that we are to grow in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of God's will. He also says that we are to walk worthy of our calling. We can't do that if we're impaired. So if you have a neurological condition that causes depression, then yes, by all means, take medication for it. And do it so that you can serve God. Now, I'm always... I want people to be careful because doctors so quickly over-medicate. So be sure... If you're depressed and you're in the Word and you're with Jesus and this is just a physical condition, a brain, then yes, you owe it to the Lord to take medication. Whatever you have to do to be able to serve God with your whole heart, that's what you need to do. I know there are some who say, no, if you have enough faith, no, that's silliness. So you take the meds if you need them to serve God. 
Let's go to Jimmy calling from San Antonio. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Um, um, hey, remember when I told you about the HOA and, and, and about my house and everything? About a couple weeks, three weeks ago? Yep. Okay, well, you know, we talk, my wife and I always talked about it. And, uh, and actually, well, we need to pray about this. Well, I know I prayed about it. I don't know if she did. But, I asked her if she wanted to pray together about it. She said no. So I, I, I took it upon myself to pray. But anyway, I, I um, and so we got three bids. Well, she's the one that went out and got the people the, the bids. But anyway, uh, we, we were, I was praying to God. I said, God, and then I talked to my wife about it. I said, we, we're looking for a budget. Well, what are you looking for a budget, Martha? Uh, I'm, this was about 2500 and below. So anyway, so we found this guy and 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 through a friend and he says uh i'll do it for 2200 and uh he did it he, he finished it yesterday and the house looks like brand new now uh, isn't that a miracle huh praise the lord jimmy the next time you're gonna... me, you have to do it jimmy do it as quickly as possible but you know ask jesus to help you yeah praise the lord Thanks for thanks for the report, Jimmy. The next time you're going to spend twenty two or twenty five hundred dollars to clean your yard, let me know. I got a bunch of young men in the church who'll come out and do it for a lot less than that and do a wonderful job oh. as well. So well, they, they had to work on the house. They painted the house and everything. They, they, he, hmm. he he caught the house and he caught it, and then he, he, he fixed some of the repairs. The paneling was coming off, so he, but he painted everything in the house uh, outside. Oh, praise of the, the Lord. Thank you, dear friend, for letting me know, and thank you for your... I have some leftover paint if y'all need it for your clinic. Oh, you know what? We we just might. So what I'll do is uh, call the office uh, 658-8337 and ask for Pastor Juan, J-U-A-N. He actually does... Yes, he, he actually does the painting at my house, he and his kids, and they are great. And we can oh. always use paint around here. We we get the, things are so messy here uh, with all the kids in school, and so we can always use extra paint. So thank you for that, Jimmy. Yes, sir. Okay, God bless you. Thank you most of all for your heart being to, to do what you at first didn't want to do. You see, that's this, the, the mark of a Christian. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here's a sort of a cryptic question from Kent. He said, "Reading or watching video to study." Which is best? Uh, Kent, reading your Bible is best. Always, always, always. The one thing I miss most in my life now uh, with my vision issues is the great privilege of being able to devour books, but most specifically the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with watching video to study. There's nothing wrong with listening to the programs. I have people all the time that come to me and say, boy, I listen to you every day and I study the Bible along with you. That's great. But it does not ever replace the time that you need in your Bible alone. So, can't read your Bible the Word, the Word, the Word. And then after you've got the word in your heart, and I don't mean just read it once, especially when you're doing some in-depth study. Read it repetitively. Read it out loud so you can hear yourself. You can you can use the eye sense and the ear sense to get it in. And then if you want to read some commentaries or some other things, then you can do it. Uh, if you want to then watch a video of somebody who's studying that passage uh, that you've been reading over and over, uh, then you're going to benefit wonderfully by it. But but by far, reading, reading, reading is the best. So, Kent, thank you. I hope that helps. Um, Valerie wants to know, if Christians are not supposed to keep the law, does that mean it's okay to sin sometimes? Valerie, you already know the answer to that question when you asked it. It's never okay to sin. Now, the fact that we do sin is just the way it is. We're not perfect, and we won't be. But that never gives us the right to sin. For instance, Paul says, do not repay evil with evil. Somebody does something evil to you, don't get them back. But you see, the law identifies the heart of God 
and points to Jesus, our need for Jesus. That's why it has value. But if we think we can sin, then we really don't know who Jesus is. So, Valerie, I hope that helps. Let's go to San Antonio now and talk with Gloria on line one. Gloria, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Are you there, Gloria? Gloria going once? Well, Gloria, if you can hear me and we can't hear you, then um, maybe you can call back, 340-9585. Here's a question from Marcus. Marcus wants to know, is there only one will of God or others that allow us some choice? And does the will of God always prevail through our lives? Marcus, God is perfect. So by definition, there can only be one will of God, the perfect will of God. Um, in Romans, this is then you can test and approve the perfect uh, the good, the perfect, acceptable will of God. That's one will. That's not three wills. That is a really, really bad teaching. Um, but God, who created you, who marked out a path, according to Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, for you to walk in, that's his perfect will. And everything that you're doing outside of that will, he's going to, by the power of his spirit, to nudge you back into that perfect, pleasing will. Because that's what he wants for you. So there's only one will of God. We can know what it is. Your Bible has a whole bunch. It is God's will that you flee from immorality. It's God's will that you forgive. It's God's will that you're kind, that you demonstrate fruits of the Spirit. If you're not doing those things, then the sort of bigger picture will of God is going to be hard to discern. And to your second question, and does the will of God always prevail through our lives? The answer says it always does if, in fact, we are following Jesus, if we're doing what we know the will of God to be. But if not, then we're quenching the Spirit and we miss the will of God. And God doesn't want any of us to miss the will, to miss His will. It's just that simple. So, Mark, it's just one perfect will of God and every one of us every day ought to do anything and everything we can to get there. We are... Is Gloria on the line? Nope, we lost Gloria. Sorry, Gloria. Here is a question anonymously. If I have sinned willfully, should I get rebaptized? No, anonymous, if you sin willfully, you should stop it, repent, and get right with God. Your baptism didn't fail, you did. So it's just that straightforward. If you've sinned willfully, just stop it. Tell God you're sorry. First John 1, 9 is perfect for you. If we confess our sins, that word confess, it connotes agreement with God about what is or what isn't sin. If you do that, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. So that's all you have to do. Anonymous, get on your face and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I did it. I knew it was wrong. I did it anyway. I don't want to do that to you anymore, Lord. Please help me. And you are just as clean at that point as you will ever be. And the lesson that you'll need to learn is the next time that temptation comes and the next time you plan to sin willfully, you simply say no. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And we all ought to know it. We all ought to know it. Here is another anonymous question. This will be the last one we get today. Um, anonymous says, I've thought terrible things about someone with no reason, and I'm sorry. Should I go and confess to them, even they don't know what I've been thinking? No, 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 a thousand times no. You know, one of the worst things that happens is when somebody comes and says, you know, I've hated you for all these years, and, and I, that's actually happened to me. And, and I've looked and said, well, I've loved you all those years. I, I didn't know. Well, I know, but now I have to get honest with God, and, and now I need to make things right. Uh, things were much better before you told me that. So if you've thought terrible things about someone, your repentance needs to go to God. Now, if you've spoken ill of people, 
that's different. But if these are just things that, that only you know about, just tell God how you're sorry and hate that sin of judging somebody or thinking ill of somebody so completely that you go to the Lord and say, God, don't ever let me go there again. Let me see them through your eyes, through your heart, and he'll do that. A lot of damage is done when people sort of blindside you with these hidden things that they've been going on in their lives for a very, very long time, and you just thought everything was great. It's a horrible thing to do to somebody. So please don't ever, ever do that, Anonymous. Over the years, we, we actually had somebody come to church who came to church who came to Paula, and after a long, long time of being in this church, they they came and said, well, you know, I have to confess that I'm prejudiced against blacks, and I didn't like you for the longest time. It, it, it tore her heart out. You know, Paula just thought that they were sisters in the Lord and loved her and prayed for her and served with her. To know that all along in the background there was this thing going on was just a horrible thing. And believe me, that's the devil's playground. When you give somebody that opportunity, the devil is going to really take advantage of that. So please don't go to somebody and tell them something that they have no knowledge about. Instead, just deal you and God all alone. And when you do that, then you're clean and you just change your behavior. From now on, we view no one from a worldly perspective, Paul writes. We take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Good week on the program. Thank you for your calls and thank you for the questions. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 The Word. Until then, go to church this weekend. Tell somebody Jesus loves them. Make sure that you're available to be used by God to minister his love and his kindness to somebody who really needs it. Our churches are full of them. God bless you. See you Monday. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.